This podcast details true crime cases. It contains adult themes and may contain descriptions of violence. It is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Once Upon a Crime. This week, I'll conclude the series, Hookups from Hell where I share cases of people who became targets of murderers they met online. The first two cases were love connections that turned deadly. But in this last episode, you'll hear about a man who preyed on extremely vulnerable people, those who expressed feelings of hopelessness and thoughts of suicide. Takahiro Shirashi would connect with these vulnerable people on Twitter, offering to help, but instead would rob and murder them. When he was caught... He'd claim that his victims were willing participants in their own deaths, but the evidence would prove something very different. An additional warning, this episode includes the topic of suicide. If you are sensitive to this subject, please use discretion before listening. This is Chapter 3 of Hookups from Hell, the case of Takahiro Shirashi, the Twitter killer. In mid-2017, 27-year-old Takahiro Shirashi was spending a lot of time online. He had accounts on various social media sites, but his favorite platform to connect with others was Twitter. That summer, he was actively looking to meet women online. But Shirashi was not interested in a relationship, but instead was seeking out women who were particularly vulnerable. His goal was to meet someone who would be easy to manipulate into providing him with money and possessions. He believed he'd discovered a good prospect in 21-year-old Mizuki Miura. Mizuki had been feeling depressed since a friend of hers died by suicide. She often posted her feelings online in her Twitter feed. Some of her followers offered her words of comfort, advice, or just a distraction from her feelings. Shirashi saw Mizuki's posts and reached out to her. He connected with her by telling her that he too often felt depressed. He went on to say that he often wondered why he was even alive, and that he had thoughts of just ending it all. Mizuki began trading direct messages with Shirashi, who said his name was Yamamoto. He poured out his heart to her, and she began to find herself falling for him. They met, and he told her he loved her and wanted them to live together. He told her he was trying to get enough money together to rent an apartment near Tokyo, where Mizuki worked at a logistics company. Mizuki said she had some money saved and offered to loan him some for the apartment. She gave Shirashi about 500,000 yen, or approximately $4,400. Mizuki left her home, telling her family that she wanted to live alone and had rented an apartment. She did not tell them about her new boyfriend. But soon after Mizuki moved in with Shirashi, it became clear to her that he had no intention of working or helping to pay the bills. While she went off to work every day, Shirashi sat on his computer or played video games. She felt used and began to demand that he pay back the money she'd loaned him for the apartment. At first, Shirashi ignored her, but then they began to argue frequently. This was not what Shirashi had signed up for, he thought. He just wanted someone for easy money and sex, 
and he became annoyed and then angry at Mizuki as she continued to insist that he get a job and pay back the loan. Shirashi had become more selfish and self-absorbed as he reached adulthood. Recently, everything had begun to fall apart in his life, and instead of rising to the challenge and launching himself as an adult, he instead sought out an easy living where he could do what he wanted without putting in too much effort. Takahiro Shirashi was born on October 27, 1990, in Zama, Japan. His father provided for his wife and two children working for an automobile factory. Takahiro was described as a quiet boy who didn't draw much attention to himself. He played sports in school, joining his junior high baseball team, and running track in high school during his senior year. Takahiro was not at the top of his class academically, but never missed school and was a conscientious student. When he was still in high school, his parents divorced. His mother moved out of the family home, taking his younger sister with him. Takahiro stayed with his father, with whom he was close. He sometimes helped his father at the factory. After leaving high school, Shirashi took a series of odd jobs, working at a supermarket and a food factory. But he wasn't motivated to higher education or a serious career. He drifted spending more time online meeting girls. He could be quite charming, and girls found him attractive. This eventually led to Shirashi deciding to use his charm and good looks to make some easy money. He began working as a recruiter for an escort service in Kabukicho, an entertainment and red light district in Tokyo. Kabukicho is home to over 3,000 bars, hostess clubs, sex shops, love hotels, massage parlors, and the like. His job was to comb the streets looking for young women and talk them into becoming escorts for one of the red light district businesses. These types of businesses are legal and categorized as entertainment. However, prostitution is illegal in Japan, but like many places where that's true, business is still conducted illegally. It was also well known that over 1,000 members of the Yakuza, or the organized crime syndicate that originated in Japan, were active in Kabukicho at that time. The Yakuza runs much of the prostitution and other illegal businesses in the district. Shirashi would later say that he learned to prey on women's insecurities while working in Kabukicho as a recruiter. After meeting Mizuki online, he learned of her insecurities and also that she had money. But after she began arguing with him about money and insisted he contribute to the household, he balked. In Shirashi's scheme, his girlfriend was wearing out her usefulness. Here's where the story goes from bad to much, much worse. One day in August 2017, not long after they began living together, Shirashi and Mizuki got into another heated argument. Mizuki turned to leave, and Shirashi struck her from behind. After she fell to the floor, he grabbed her by the throat and strangled her until she was dead. At first, Shirashi panicked. How was he going to get out of this mess? His first thought was to hide the body, but how? He lived in a two-story, 12-unit apartment located on a busy street. There was no way he could sneak out the body without someone witnessing this. Where could he hide it anyway, he pondered. So he came up with a plan. He'd have to cut the body into pieces 
and try and dispose of it that way. He took the body into his tiny bathroom and, using various cutting implements, began dismembering it. He would later admit that this horrifying task took him three days to complete. After it was all over, he thought for sure he'd be caught immediately. When police didn't come knocking on his door, he realized that he'd literally gotten away with murder. Not only that, but he no longer had to worry about paying back the loan, and he had access to any other money and possessions Mizuki had left behind. Now an evil idea began to form in Shirashi's mind. It would be easy to seduce lonely women to use for sex and money, he thought. In addition, he was no longer shy about committing murder to achieve this goal. Takahiro Shirashi began trolling Twitter for vulnerable women after he murdered his live-in girlfriend, Mizuki Miura, in the summer of 2017. Mizuki's family began trying to contact her after they hadn't heard from her for a few days, but they were unable to figure out where to look, since she had not shared the location of her new apartment, and they did not know the real name of her boyfriend, if they even knew she had one. It appeared as if Shirashi had gotten away with murder, and perhaps this whet his appetite for the act of murder itself. But Shirashi was also motivated by greed. He wanted to meet women who could provide him with money as well. Recalling how he'd met Mizuki by connecting with her online about feelings of depression and suicide, Shirashi searched on Twitter for other women suffering with the same dark feelings. But this time, he went even further. He set up a second Twitter account using the screen name Hanging Pro. Using this account, he preyed on young girls who expressed the desire to die by suicide. He posted the following message. I want to spread my knowledge in hanging. I really want to become a source of strength for everyone who is in pain. If you are at a dead end, please consult me. He used the hashtag suicide recruitment. Before long, he was direct messaging with half a dozen girls and women. He'd earned their trust by claiming he also wanted to die. His goal was to lure them to his apartment where he would rob, rape, and kill them. Depending on who he was preying on at the time, Shirashi would either, one, make a suicide pact, talking the woman into the idea that they would die together. He told them this was ideal because neither of them would have to die alone. He also said it would ensure that neither of them backed out at the last minute due to fear. Or two, he would offer his help to those who wanted to end their lives. Again, they would not be alone at the moment of death, Shirashi said, which many expressed fear about. Finding strangers online to enter into such a personal and tragic pact may seem odd. In fact, in Japan alone, there are many websites and social media groups dedicated to connecting people who are considering or planning suicide. It is an issue that the Japanese government and its health minister have long struggled to quash. These types of online groups and message boards are not limited to Japan, of course, but the subject of suicide is ingrained in the country's long history. Since ancient times, the concept of honorable suicide in Japan has existed. To die by your own hand for your country or for your own or your family's honor was preferable to living a life of cowardice or disgrace. Many are familiar with the samurai practice of seppuku, as well as the sacrifices made by World War II Japanese kamikaze pilots. 
Suicide has also been portrayed as romantic in literature, as in the double suicide committed by the star-crossed lovers in Romeo and Juliet. Japan has its own very famous version of this tale. The Love Suicides at Sonazaki was first performed as a play in Japan in 1703. Japan has the sixth highest suicide rate in the world today, and the second highest in any developed nation except for South Korea. Besides its cultural history of suicide, researchers also cite factors such as economic instability and the absence of suicide labeled a sin, as found in predominantly Christian countries, that have contributed to higher numbers of Japan's young people opting to end their own lives. Unable to find stable employment and facing an uncertain future for some, suicide seems like an honorable way out of becoming a, quote, financial burden on others or an embarrassment to their families. It's important to note that the reason most often cited for not going through with suicide is fear of dying alone. This, it seems, is why some of these websites and online groups begin to form. Some were formed to offer support and as a way to prevent suicide, but others were created for the sole purpose of connecting people who wish to enter into suicide pacts with others. Takahiro Shirashi used these forums on Twitter to his advantage. Engaging his victims online with the promise of entering into suicide pacts, Shirashi was able to lure eight victims to their deaths in just three months, becoming one of Japan's most prolific serial killers. From August through October of 2017, Takahiro Shirashi lured seven women to his 145 square foot apartment. They were never seen again. Akari Suda, a 17 year old high school student who dreamed of becoming a manga artist, connected with Shirashi online before going missing. Then a second high school student, Natsumi Kubav, also 17, vanished. Next, a 19 year old university student, Hinok Serashina, became the next victim. 15 year old Kureha Ishihara would become Shirashi's youngest victim when she responded to his Twitter messages. She told him she'd had a change of heart about ending her own life, but Shirashi continued to pressure her into meeting him. He would later admit that he believed she'd done so because he was an older man and claimed to be interested in her romantically. On September 13th, 26 year old Hitomi Fujima went missing. The divorced mother, Fujima had posted feelings of hopelessness on Twitter after her marriage ended. On the last day she was seen, Fujima's co workers reported that she'd left work earlier than usual. One co worker recalled that Hitomi seemed hesitant to leave. I feel guilty for not approaching her that day, he would later tell a reporter. Her family searched for her desperately, but Hitomi had simply vanished, leaving behind a young daughter. Kazumi Maruyama was a 25 year old convenience store employee when she went missing. She was described by her family as a social recluse who had just recently began coming out of her shell. Kazumi was saving up money for her future when she disappeared. Then a friend of Mizuki Miura, Shirashi's first victim, would come looking for her. Shogo Nishinaka, age 20, a bass player in a local band, Had spoken with Mizuki before she moved in with Shirashi. She told him all about her new boyfriend and apartment. After she disappeared, 
He took this information and showed up at Shirashi's apartment to question him about Mizuki. At first, Shirashi made an excuse, but the bass player insisted he be allowed inside to look for his friend. Shirashi let him in, and the result was that Shogo became the serial killer's only male victim. Perhaps because of this experience, Shirashi tweeted the following on October 6th. It is not good to tell friends, family members, and social networking sites that you are going to die before committing suicide. The disappearances continued for three months, but as almost all of Shirashi's victims had met him on Twitter, there was not much of a trail left behind to connect him to the missing people. It began to appear as if Shirashi would continue to get away with murder indefinitely. Then on October 21st, 23-year-old Aiko Tamura went missing from a Tokyo suburb. Tamura had become depressed after her mother passed away earlier that year. She had been seeking help for her depression and suicidal thoughts and had shared her feelings with her brother. He had been trying to help her through the dark time. He'd seen an improvement in her mood in the early fall, just before she went missing. Tamura's brother contacted police to report his sister's disappearance, but also began his own investigation. He hacked into her social media accounts, and it was on her Twitter account that he found disturbing messages. She had tweeted, quote, I want to die, but doing so alone is terrible. I'm looking for someone to die with me, end quote. He saw a response to this tweet from someone with the suspicious Twitter handle of Hanging Pro. He posted on his sister's Twitter account information about her disappearance. He asked anyone with information to please contact him. One woman messaged him to share that she had also traded messages with Hanging Pro. He contacted the police with the information. The police interviewed the woman and enlisted her help to identify the man who'd messaged Aiko Tamura. They asked her to contact the man who went by the Twitter handle Hanging Pro and set up a time to meet. She did so, and Shirashi agreed to meet her at the train station. Police officers had been positioned to watch for him as he arrived. They followed him as he walked their decoy back to his apartment. Once they reached the building, police surrounded him and demanded to search his apartment. He complied. As they entered the tiny loft apartment, the first thing they noticed was the smell. The second thing was the sight of several large coolers and storage boxes, one sitting in the entryway and several others stacked in the small living room. Found on a table was a woman's handbag. Inside it, police discovered identification belonging to the missing woman. When they asked Shirashi where Aiko Tamura was, he pointed to one of the coolers and said, In there. Inside the boxes stored in the apartment were found nine human heads and several legs and arms. Over 240 various bones of Shirashi's victims would also be recovered in the apartment. Shirashi was arrested and charged with mutilating a body of unknown identity, hiding bodies, and disposing of bodies. This would hold him in custody until they could determine all the identities of his victims. Police had uncovered one of the grisliest murder scenes in Japan's history, bringing to mind the American serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer, 
when they identified Takahiro Shirashi's connection to several missing girls and women. At the crime scene, police recovered two kitchen knives, scissors, a saw, a rope, and a gimlet hand tool used for boring holes. All had traces of blood on them. They also found three cooler-slash-ice chests and five large storage boxes containing body parts. Shirashi had attempted to cover the smell of the decomposing body parts by covering them with cat litter. Investigators were shocked that they hadn't received complaints from neighbors about the smell. There were 12 units in the building packed closely together, but residents claimed they had neither seen nor heard anything. They did, however, tell officers that there had been a persistent, pungent smell coming from Shirashi's apartment. They also noted that he kept his bathroom ventilation fan going 24 hours a day. In addition, they noticed that he made frequent trips to the garbage chute, and one neighbor had been annoyed when Shirashi dumped some of his garbage bags down his garbage chute. Police didn't have to wonder about Shirashi's crimes for long. He immediately confessed to nine murders although he did admit that he didn't know the exact names or ages of some of his victims. The unnamed victims would be identified through the use of the DNA database and some of their belongings found in Shirashi's apartment. Shirashi said that he'd met all his victims, minus one, the male, on Twitter. He had lured them to his home and killed them there. His motive for murder, Shirashi said, was sex and money. All the women had expressed suicidal thoughts, and he'd connected with them first by saying he was also contemplating suicide. He'd arranged to meet each one at the train station near their homes so they could travel together to his apartment. He said he did this to make sure they wouldn't back out at the last minute. Once they were inside his apartment, he gave them tranquilizers or sleeping pills. He then sexually assaulted them before strangling them to death. Shirashi described cutting up the bodies in his bathroom to, quote, destroy the evidence. About dismembering the bodies, he told investigators, quote, It was difficult at first. It took me three days to get rid of the first body. But after that, I could deal with them within one day. The media dubbed Takahiro Shirashi the Twitter killer. Prosecutors planned to seek the death penalty. In Japan, when someone is found guilty of committing multiple murders, the death penalty is almost always imposed. The exception to this is if the perpetrator is deemed to be legally insane. Shirashi's attorneys, having to contend with his detailed confession, planned to argue for a reduced sentence, claiming that his victims had been, quote, willing participants in their own deaths. However, this did not explain the male victim, Shogo Nishinaki, who they could not claim was suicidal. But it didn't matter in the end, because Shirashi opted to plead guilty and gave a full statement to the court about his crimes. Shirashi explained that he'd killed his first victim after having a falling out with his father and moving to the city to become a scout for a prostitution ring. He'd been arrested for this in February of 2017, but was given a suspended sentence. He then met Mizuki Miura and conned her into giving him money, with which he rented the apartment. He said he'd turned to murder after she demanded he repay the money she'd lent him. He was afraid she would take the case to the police, Shirashi said, so he killed her. On this first murder, he confessed, quote, I had a hard time making up my mind to do it, 
but I had done illegal things on a daily basis as part of my work as a scout and had internalized the idea that, quote, it's only a problem if you get caught, end quote. He continued to lure women to his apartment for sex and financial gain and murdered them in order to, quote, not get caught. Most of the women had been killed the same day he met them, he said. Not one of his victims consented to their deaths, Shirashi admitted to the court. Finally, he confessed, if they hadn't caught me, I would regret nothing. On Tuesday, December 12, 2020, Judge Naokuni Yano handed down the sentence of death to Takahiro Shirashi for the murders of nine people. He called Shirashi's crimes cunning and cruel and found him fully responsible for his actions. None of the nine victims, the judge said, consented to be killed, including silent consent. He had not just murdered his victims, Judge Yano said, but had, quote, trampled on the dignity of the dead. The victim's family said that Shirashi expressed no regret for his crimes and showed an utter lack of remorse. The brother of one of the murdered women said that listening to Shirashi recount his crimes made him lose faith in humanity. His attorney sought to file an appeal of his death sentence, but Shirashi waived his right to an appeal. He cited as his reason that he did not want to put his family through any more pain of having to suffer the shame of additional hearings. In Japan, the death penalty is carried out by hanging. The condemned are not given the date of their execution, but are only informed when the hangman comes to take them to the gallows. As a result of Shirashi's crimes, Twitter has changed its policy to specifically state that, quote, users should not promote or encourage suicide or self-harm. Japan's government instructed its ministers to take measures to shut down suicide websites and social media groups. The country is working to provide more suicide prevention counseling and messaging to reduce the rate of suicide in its population. Takahiro Shirashi sits on death row awaiting the unknown date of his execution. He seems to be enjoying his notoriety as the Twitter killer, conducting several media interviews. He has also published comics about his life and his dark fantasies. He recently told a reporter that he wishes to meet a normal girl to marry before he is executed. I am thinking it would be good to have someone who supports me, Shirashi is quoted as saying. She'd be able to come and see me here and bring me things. Several women have written to him, he says, expressing their interest in becoming his wife. for this episode of Once Upon a Crime, and that will do it for this series, Hookups from Hell. Don't forget, you can become a patron of Once Upon a Crime on Patreon and get a gift pack of thank you merchandise, early release ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and more. Go to patreon.com slash onceuponacrime to find out more and register. Once Upon a Crime is written, produced, and edited by me, Esther Ludlow. Our research production and administrative assistant is Lorena Garcia, and original music is by Aaron Michael Goldberg. Until next time, be good to one another. Thank you.